boys and girls of every age, wouldn't you like to see something strange? Come with me and you will see three nerds talk about Halloween. This is Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Greetings, ghosts. My name is Tim, and I'm joined by... John Dodson. And Travis. In this spooky episode of Dreadful Ghost Radio, we're going to take a time out from the real-world horrors of 2020 to discuss some of our favorite horror movies and Halloween traditions. But first... Let's check in on what we're all playing and what we're watching. Travis, why don't you start us off? All right. So um, I think I've, I'm going to miss some amazing things that I've watched over the past few weeks because I lost my note that had all that stuff in it. But I threw together a note really quick uh, before the show started of some of the big things I can remember. And so here they are in no particular order. Um, I think I may have mentioned in the last time we did this that we started watching a show called Letterkenny, which is... Um, show on Hulu. It's a comedy that's kind of hard to explain. It's a bunch of hicks in a really small town in Canada, and it's just bizarre and hilarious. Um, I can't even really think of anything to compare it to. Like it's, it's so unique and like it took maybe, I don't know, four or five episodes before I really got used to the humor and could like really get in the flow of it and enjoy it. Uh, we're in season seven of eight. Now the seasons are short, like six episodes each. So it's a pretty quick thing to blast through. If you're looking for something funny to watch. Speaking of sitcoms, uh, Archer is back for its next season. And, um, if you, I I think we can spoil the end of last season of Archer. Archer finally woke up from his coma. So all those like one-off seasons where he was like in the fifties in a like speakeasy and like in a space station and stuff like that, we're back to the real world and he's trying to deal with the after effects of that coma and hilarity ensues because of all the changes that have happened since he's been gone. Tim, I know you're an Archer fan. Have you been watching this new, new season? Yes, I have. And I, yeah, (laughs) it's really funny. I almost feel bad for the, for like all the supporting characters. I I mean, Cyril finally getting his shit together and being a really good agent. (laughs) And now Archer's bringing him back down. Yeah. (laughs) Um, we also recently rewatched knives out, which I think is the fourth time we've seen that. Uh, even though you can like go into this knowing the mystery, it's still such a fun watch. Uh, just the chemistry of all the characters working together, especially seeing like Chris Evans as a douche instead of, you know, we're so used to seeing him as Captain America these days. Like seeing him really dive into a, a total asshole of a character is, is a lot of fun to watch. And of course the leads, uh, the crap, I can't remember the detective's Daniel name. No, Daniel Craig, but like, what is he, what's his character name? Benoit Blanc. Oh. Benoit Blanc and Marta working together is like, I, I really, I, they've said they're going to make a sequel to it with another Benoit Blanc mystery. And I really hope that he like goes and gets Marta to help him out with it because 
you know, I'm sure they could write something to make that make sense, but their chemistry was so great. I would love to see more of them. Uh, we also watched a Netflix movie called Class Action Park. It's a documentary about a water park in New Jersey that, like, straight up killed some people and injured a lot more. It was apparently a New Jersey rite of passage. Like, you have to get some sort of an injury at this park to be, like, kind of accepted. It's, it's kind of like like the tribal manhood rituals like you have to pass through this water park to be accepted in new jersey it 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 is like a i don't know an hour and a half if you have netflix you should check this out i w- had heard of this park before i didn't realize just how insane it is like if i didn't know that it were a documentary i would think that the plot was too ridiculous to be believed but like the the guy who ran this park was just uh he was a hell of a character and didn't really care much for, you know, safety and legality of things, stuff like that. You know, those little things. Uh, the boys season two recently finished up and that was, uh, man, I wasn't sure how they were going to be able to top season one, but I really think that season two was better and I won't get into spoilers. John, I don't know if you've watched it. I know you watched season one. Uh, I have, I saw all of it. Okay, um, cool. I plan on talking about it a little bit too. Yeah. No spoilers, but yeah. Yeah. But wow. Uh, the f- one thing that I loved about the first season was that it kind of had some things that relate to present politics and season two dives headfirst into that way more. There's uh, pretty much something for everybody in this. If you are unhappy with the way our current uh, political situation is, then you're probably going to find something to relate to in the uh, the villains and the motives of the heroes in season two of the boys. And they, I feel like at this point, honestly, season one was just a setup and I, love where season two went. I can't wait to see where season three went as where season three goes. Um, I hear Jensen Ackles from supernatural is coming into play a new superhero or, you know, supposed hero. So that should be fun to see what he does with the role. It was really interesting. I guess I'll talk about it now. If you don't mind Travis, while we're both talking about it. Yeah. One of the things I really liked about boys too, Travis, uh, sorry, Tim, did you see a little bit of it? Uh, I saw the whole thing. Yeah, that's, Oh, great. So I think, one of the nice things about boys season two, and this isn't a spoiler, I'm not going to say who, but they bring an X-Men into the show, which is really fun. Um, someone that played uh, a role in the original X-Men films, you know, not a huge role, but a, but a, but a role. Oh, yeah, and yeah, they bring yeah. him in this. Yeah, yeah, they did. They yeah. brought an X-Men in. That was fun. And uh, they did. They did a really good job. Um, I agree with you, Travis. I think the boys season two um, takes what you had from the first season it dials it up a bit and it makes it largely better and it progresses things and gives you a really satisfying conclusion at the end but also leaves it open for more um it doesn't it doesn't end on any particular huge cliffhangers or whatnot but i and and i really enjoyed it it was a lot of fun you just it's really fun to exist in this world and yeah and i had a really really good time there was there was um a lot of fun when it you know i mean travis is talking about you know you know talking about some political messages and about social media and you know uh you know our modern you know folks you know certain political people focusing on racism and stuff like that way too much it should be something that we're working to eliminate but it's sadly still there and 
how they sort of tie that around to the past. And it's really interesting. It's a really creative movie, uh, TV show. And I'll also give them credit, too, because um, it's a TV show that's um, blown up the charts that isn't a Netflix show, which is pretty yeah. uncommon right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Netflix is dominating the world right now. And this is something that is um, definitely not a Netflix show that's doing so well. And um, really, really creative, really happy. I, I hope it goes on forever. <laughs> you know, it's just that good. And if you thought Homelander was evil in season one, wow, you have seen nothing. <laughs> Holy shit, he gets evil. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of Netflix, a Netflix series, um, I was such a huge fan of The Haunting of Hill House and the creator and some of the cast have come back for The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is another series based on a novel. And um, very similar to Haunting of Hill House, this was a nine or ten episode, like, full character-driven plot that it's a horror show, and yes, the house is haunted, but it's more about haunted people than a haunted house. Like, the the experiences that these people have gone through, it's, it's such a great show. Um... I really can't tell you much about it, except it's uh, a, an American woman goes to a British house to be a uh, nanny, essentially kind of like a Mary Poppins type character for a couple of kids. And um, some weird shit starts happening, as you might expect in a haunted house. But yeah, if you liked Haunting of Hill House and if you haven't seen it, you definitely should watch that one. Um, Haunting of Blind Manor, not quite as good, but still very good. Yeah, I actually just started that one. Oh, I'm only nice. one episode in. But um I didn't know it was by the same people that did uh um uh, the 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 other series, The Haunting on Haunting House. House. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize it was the same people. Yeah, did you watch Should uh, I Haunting should I watch House? the first one too? I, I didn't, no. Uh I think you should. It doesn't you don't need it okay. like they don't connect at all, so like the plots yeah. are entirely separate, but I definitely think you should watch Hill House. Hill House was amazing. So good. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll look into that. So uh, in very new releases, uh, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch or if you would even want to watch Borat 2. Saw it. <laughs> it Saw it last night. I have not seen it, no. <laughs> it, um... wow we were um, yeah, it takes it. You have to be okay with a certain kind of humor to enjoy. Very it, I nice. I like. I could see why people might find stuff like this annoying. I thought it was hilarious. I'm not sure if I. If I we, laughed so much. Watched, I was so much. So yeah, much we watched Borat one like two weeks ago, just because mm-hmm. we were like really looking forward to Borat two. I, yeah, I did the same thing. I that was so much think, fun to see it again. I think Borat two holds up with it as well. Like it might not be as good, but it's close. Like it's, Mm -hmm. I think he, he focused on going after like political figures more in this for sure. Like there were, there was some of that in the first movie, like the, like the rodeo scene (laughs) in the first movie that by the way, took place like 20 minutes North of me where he (laughs) was recorded. The guy talking about how we want to execute gay people and stuff like that. That was that was embarrassing, but anyway, yeah, he's going after like he's he has more of a political angle at this one, I think. And um, I'm sure you've all heard about the news of Giuliani and what happened in the hotel room. John, let me ask you this: since you yep. said you watched it, you watched the whole scene in context. Do you think he was like fondling himself, or do you think he was just tucking in his shirt? 
Okay, so I don't know how to talk about the scene without getting political. So I'm going to toss out any semblance that I'm not going to talk sure. about politics okay. in this. Um, here's the thing. Um, I think that Rudy Giuliani, um, you know, he he served as a mayor and uh, during 9-11, I think he did an OK job of that. Like I, you know, so I think that like, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll hat to hit hat tip him, you know, America's mayor and all that. Um, you know, maybe he was a good person back then. You know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, he seemed like he did a pretty good job during 9-11. But here's the thing. I think he's, um, I think he's the president's personal lawyer. Um, and I think he's completely and utterly corrupt. So do I have a problem believing that he wanted to have sex with a reporter and was thinking he was going to get his Jimmy jams on? No, I don't, because I think it was clear. And but was she you know, Borat's daughter giving him the signs that he was going to get his Jimmy Jams going. Yeah, of course she was. Absolutely. And that's exactly what she was trying to do. Do I think that the president's personal lawyer and the president and a zillion other people around him just like getting their Jimmy Jams on whenever they want? I think it's incontrovertible. I don't I think there's so much evidence to show that that's <laughs> oh, right. absolutely right. the case. Yeah. Right. I mean, the president literally paid Stormy Daniels you know, to not say that he had sex with her um, when he was married to Melania and had their first kid when she was pregnant with the first kid. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I just think that's what they do. So did they catch did, did it look like he was tucking in his shirt or grabbing his Jimmy Jammer? I don't you know, like, I don't care because I just think like he was cl- clearly thinking something was going on. They were drinking. Right. She asked him into the room. You know what I mean? Would more have happened? Yes. Do I believe Sasha Baron Cohen that he was nervous and wanted to bust in because he didn't want that stuff to happen to the actress? A hundred percent I do. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Um, It's weird to me that he's fighting this as much as he is. Giuliani, I'll be honest with you. Like, I I agree. Yeah. Like clearly you're like, I don't even think he's married. So I don't think it even matters. Like, does anyone in the world care that supports the president that his lawyer wants to get it on with a reporter. Like, do they even care? Cause I don't think they do. So that's why no. I think like, of course no. it's a thing. Like, so I don't know. I'm just, I'm, that's how I come around to that answer. I know there's way more politics maybe, but well, no, it's, it's all context for it. And like you, I, I don't, yeah. I don't think that it matters that much whether he was grabbing himself or whether he was putting his talk, Jimmy jammer talking yeah. his shirt in because he was yeah. like, all the conduct leading up to that point is yeah. as damning as grabbing his junk as I think, honestly, like right, he was right, right. Like, yes, she was definitely leading him toward that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, maybe if you're the president's personal lawyer in a matter of such like national scrutiny, you shouldn't just like put yourself in these situations. Like if she was able <laughs> to do that, if they were able to get to yeah. him like that, that, that should be the real Russian scandal was that how easy he right. fell for this. Exactly. You know? Well, yeah. here's the thing. Like someone wants to interview you and they're like, Hey, let's start doing shots. I am not a politician, but I will tell you that's where I will not do shots. Well, yeah. I don't drink yeah. generally yeah. speaking, but it's like, and then she's like touching your leg. Like, and I'd be like, Hey, yo, I'm like, stop. I'm married. Okay. Like I'm boring. This is way too exciting for me. You know what I mean? Like, let's like, let's like slow this down a little bit. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, you know, yeah, it, it, I didn't even think that was the best scene in the movie, no. honestly, but I thought no. it was interesting for sure. So. Yeah. I did like the, the, this is a slight spoiler, Tim, if you're planning on watching it, um, like right before that happened, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, Sasha Baron Cohen as Borat as 
her boom mic guy trying to be like in double disguise there, like leaning over to him saying, maybe you should stick to marrying your cousins. (laughs) I thought that was the funniest part of that whole scene, honestly. Like why he didn't walk out at that point is kind of, I know um, a little. Yeah. I, so I want to say a little bit about Borat. So I thought Borat two is pretty good and it, it's so much like the first movie. And I think that's where it's losing some people because I've read, you know, some people like, Oh, it's not that good. But I think that it keeps continuity so well with the first movie in the in the in the comedy styles specifically, which I think have evolved a little bit in the last. What was it? 15 years since the movie came out, 10 years or something. We're so old. My God. But um, it's been a while. And so I think that the movie is hilarious. It's so fun. But I just don't know if that and and. also, like the first movie was showing this level of racism in America that if you're from an area like me in Oregon is really like not as obvious as some areas. Right. And so um, Borat really showed this kind of underbelly to America that we didn't realize and more, uh, you know, until, you know, after Obama and we're like, whoa, or during Obama, it's like, whoa. And um, I think that Borat, too, um shows it but it's not as shocking anymore in that way so i don't think no, it's not it's what not. the movie's trying to do it's like is it really shocking that rudy giuliani you know got into a position that mitt romney would not well i think there was a world 15 years ago where that would have been career ending but right now no one cares you know what i mean like it it doesn't even matter which i think is weird it's weird. It's weird how things are changing. <laughs> like no one cares that God, I hadn't thought know, about it from that context. Matter. That is depressing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just imagine. <laughs> but so I think when people watch this movie now, it's just not, you know, it's it's not really as effective. And but I I loved it and I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good Borat movie. But, you know, in terms of anything that's gonna change anyone's mind, well, if this happened oh, no. like twenty years ago, absolutely. But now it's just kind of like a ho hum event. It's kind of sad where American politics have gone and just how unsurprising racism is now in the United States. Um, hopefully we can change that, you know? Yeah. So finally, uh, I watched last night. Uh, we wa- finally got out of the house and went somewhere to watch a movie. The local drive-in is doing some spooky movies for a couple weeks. Uh, last week was um, Nightmare on Elm Street, which we didn't get to go to. But last night we went to see Ghostbusters at the drive-in. And, nice. Um, that movie is still hilarious. Like the effects are cheesy as hell, and I love them for that, honestly. But like just as a pure comedy, that is still such a great movie. I don't need to say much about that. You all know what Ghostbusters is like. I feel like there might be 1% of people who listen to the show who don't know what Ghostbusters is all about, but it was just so nice to get out of the house and watch a movie. Like I think birds of prey back in February, I think it was, is the last time we've gone somewhere to watch a movie. And, you know, I really miss going to theaters. I was really glad that, they had that going. I wish they'd gotten tenant. They never got tenant in, or we would have gone to see that at a drive. And even though that would, I feel like that would benefit a lot from a better sound system and, and everything, but you know, we still would have gone, but they've been playing a lot of just like old kids movies, I think to get parents something to do with their kids for the most part, but really glad they're doing this Halloween stuff next weekend. They're doing Beetlejuice and we're planning on going to that as well. Nice. That's awesome. That's about (laughs) it for what I've been watching. 
All right. How about you, John? So I've got a long list, so I'll try to, you know, hit these quickly. But um, starting at the top, we my wife and I and this is pretty fun because we don't see a whole lot. Well, actually, lately, we've been seeing a lot of shows together. So I guess I'll talk about those. But Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. So this is I'm going to air quote kids show uh, on Netflix. That's, a, you know, a CG show where it basically um, you've got a story that happens in parallel with Jurassic World, the first movie with Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard. So this movie, ha- this uh, show happens at the same time as the park, you know, going through um, the shenanigans that Jurassic, uh, of course, with a dinosaur movie that always go through. Um, the cool thing is that it sort of tries to retcon that movie and it does, a, I would say, pretty good job of retconning it and bringing in this kids camp. The idea is that there's, you know, these uh, six kids or whatever that go to a kids camp at Jurassic World and it's the first camp and then if you know that's successful they'll have like hundreds of kids going through camp (laughs) every year at camp cretaceous Uh, and they get into hijinks and it's um you know it starts out where you know they're just getting into like nightly hijinks and then the um the s hits the f when the um uh, indominus rex gets out and it's funny because if you like trace the first movie and then jurassic world camp cretaceous the indominus rex is always um around people <laughs> because there are times in Jurassic World where the Indominus Rex is not around and then it with Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous the Indominus Rex is then over there at Camp Cretaceous like <laughs> hounding those kids it's really fun how they do it um um I could probably comic book guy um thumb my nose at this and see how it's not realistic and that this time is there and but anyways let's 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 not get there it's 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 quite a bit of fun by the end i don't want to say how um they're going to keep a second season going but i was pretty happy with how they decided to do it 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 totally doesn't make any sense with the jurassic world movie i guess but that's fine because you know how are you going to keep a show like that going right um, but it's fun if you like jurassic world you like jurassic park watch it i'm gonna say it's not a kid's movie i did not we did not show this to our four-year-old. By the end, it's just as thrilling and scary as a Jurassic Park movie. There's slightly less blood. But if you're looking for a pretty good show, and the show is really good. Like, it's got a lot of heart. It's not just a trash kids show. It's actually really good. They put some really solid folks on it. So really, really liked Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous on Netflix. Um, let's start off with a movie that's maybe not as good as that. Uh, Hubie Halloween is the next Adam Sandler movie that came to Netflix. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, one common note of Adam Sandler movies of late that he produces and creates on Netflix is their quality isn't the highest. Um, I would say that's probably true, pretty accurate. Um, But I would say Hubie Halloween is one of the better ones that he's done. Um, Whereas if I watched The Ridiculous Six and immediately turned it off, Hubie Halloween, I did not do that with. Um, It's quite a bit of fun. I think a couple elements that make this movie stand out as opposed to other Adam Sandler joints on Netflix is one, the Halloween theme really does the movie a lot of justice. It it makes it just a lot more fun. It feels like... um, it feels like um, a Stranger Things season. You know how they have, you know, some seasons they're themed around Halloween and you've got all that, uh, all, the, all the decorations and stuff. And this, the, the the set decorators and designers go all out in this movie. They did a great job. It's really good. And I think the second thing is the cinematography in this movie is a lot better than most Adam Sandler movies are shot, shot flat. They're boring. The lighting is boring. It's during the daytime. But in this movie, they really 
dig into the night aspect of it and the scary Halloween aspect. And it actually works really well. It just feels more like an actual movie as opposed to like a soap opera daytime movie thing, Adam Sandler film or whatever. So I would say like, again, it's not the greatest movie you're ever going to see, but it's a lot of fun. And if you're looking for a lot of dumb fun, then check it out. Um, Again, I've got so many friends that won't even give this a chance because they despise modern Adam Sandler movies. I'm not (laughs) saying you're wrong to think that. Um, But if you're looking for some fun, check it out. It's pretty good. But if you're looking for something that's even more fun than that and even way better than that, there's a new movie on Netflix called Vampires vs. the Bronx. And that's actually really, really good. So here, imagine a movie like The Goonies in the Bronx with vampires. There you got it. Vampires versus the Bronx, baby. It's so much fun. Um, It's on Netflix. It's free. You need to watch it. As far as I'm concerned, one thing in the movie, the kids, um, they reference Blade a lot, and it's really cool how they reference Blade. They're like fans of Blade as they kind of fight vampires and it's got this really cool element because in the movie the vampires are gentrifying the area so it's got this kind of like white vampires gentrifying the bronx feel and it it really works it works really well as like a story about gentrification um it's campy it's cheesy it's so much fun vampires versus the bronx so another movie i watched the social dilemma i don't know if anyone's heard of this it's basically the latest netflix scare you to death documentary yeah that's on our list to watch soon yeah, it's yeah. So I'm going to say that um, um, if it's a lot of people have been saying that social media is the new cigarettes. And I think that the social dilemma kind of seals that a little bit. Now, I'm a developer, so I kind of understood a lot of the stuff in this already. But I think it's good to kind of understand it and understand how social media in, in a nutshell, it's it's not trying to do the best thing for you. It's not trying to say, hey, Why don't you engage with these people in this way? It's trying to get you to engage. It's not trying to say what's better for our users. It's trying to say, hey, how can we get people to engage at whatever the cost? Um, For instance, like Facebook will alert you to a conversation that someone else is having in a totally different feed if it thinks you're going to engage, which basically means if it knows you're going to argue with people or this is going to piss you off, it'll show it to you which I really don't think is a good thing. (laughs) I really like Facebook is really trying to get you to fight with people. Um, And this is probably why Tim and Travis deleted their accounts. Um, (laughs) That's a lot of it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, There's other things obviously, but you guys should, you should watch it. Now is it cheesy and dumb and kind of a little like ham fisted at times? Absolutely. But I think it it, it delivers a case um, for non-technical people that's uh, really, really good. So another movie that I saw on Netflix recently is The Free State of Jones. Uh, It's a really good movie about the Civil War, uh, and it's a really good Matthew McConaughey movie. Uh, I'm not going to say too much about it, but it's 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 just amazing. It's it's really, really effective. And if you're looking for kind of a Civil War movie uh, about that era, I seriously recommend it. I also saw The Hunt for the Wilder People. This is a Taika Waititi movie that I absolutely just hadn't seen before. Oh, it's, and it's just so a, great. It's just a beautiful movie. Absolutely. Yes. It's it shows um, New Zealand and just how beautiful it is. I, 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 you know, you think Lord of the Rings shows off New Zealand really well. The Hunt for the Wilder People might be the second best New Zealand travel film I've seen. Um, but it's just, it's got a lot of heart. It's just really, really good. And it's funnier um, than you would the, think it would be like, it's, it's got so much heart and like, yeah, there are one liners just flying like a mile a minute. Yeah. Like it's hilarious. Yeah. The kid who, uh, was in, um, Deadpool two 
in prison with him is kind of the second lead with Sam Neill. And he is just hilarious. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. He is really funny. Yeah. And I, I think the ending suffers a bit. You can tell that like they had the idea of how they were going to get out on their journey together, but bringing them back in kind of didn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's fine. You know, it, it, it's got a lot of heart and I, I just think maybe it stumbles there a little bit, but it's not that big of a deal. So I watched again, a movie on again, came to Netflix called real steel. This is a Hugh Jackman movie about robots and boxing robot. Boxing. The Rock'em robots movie. It's so good. It's just so fun. That's it's exactly like, how I describe it. Yeah, it's great. It's just a really good movie. And um, watch it if you haven't seen it. Just just, you know, give it a play. It's really good. So I'm going to start. Um, t- I'm talking about some movies that aren't and stuff that's not on Netflix. I know they're just blowing up the world right now. So my wife recently needed to get a new Mac for her work. And as as a benefit of buying a new Mac computer, we got a subscription to this little streaming service called Apple TV plus well i knew there was something on apple tv plus that i hadn't seen yet so we decided to watch it one night called beastie boys story so if you like the beastie boys or you're at all familiar with their music i recommend you watch beastie boys story on apple tv plus because it is really really fun beastie boys story is a spike jones spike jones director uh shot and recorded this and their Beastie Boys are on stage recounting their career um, and talking about it. And there's music there. And it's just great to listen to them talk about their career, see old footage, you know, listen to them talking about their albums. And the Beastie Boys are a historically important, culturally relevant rap group. Um, they're one of the originals. Uh, in New York City, and they're just, it, it's just so much fun. So watch it on Apple TV Plus. The second thing I saw on Apple TV Plus is a show that is um, getting a lot of incredible buzz for really good reason called Ted Lasso. Yes. And the reason I was why hoping you would say you watched this. Ted, I saw it all. <laughs> and the reason why it's getting so much great buzz is because we're in a pretty dark time in the United States. And here is a show about people being good to each other unequivocally. And it's a show about can we care about things and care about each other and try our best and be good. And it succeeds. And it's a comedy that's just so much fun. It's funny. You enjoy hanging out with these people. I'm sort of tired of the shows where you're a piece of shit and that's hilarious, you know, and how big of a piece of shit can I be? And it's the apocalypse and I love zombie movies and I love apocalypse shit, but not right now. I don't, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Ted Lasso is a breath of fresh air because it's a wholesome comedy about being a good person and talking with your friends about things and accepting things you can't change and letting go and choosing to love people when it's really hard and being a better person, things that are going by the wayside. And I really, really appreciate that. And I think that's why it's uh, really popular. And I believe, and I, and I believe if the news is true, Apple has signed them up for all the way up to season three. And it absolutely should, because we need more stuff like this. We don't need, you know, more dark stuff. We need more shows like Ted Lasso that make you laugh. And I can't wait for season two. I really can't. So that's what I've been watching. Yeah. Ted Lasso is, um, he feels like the kind of like comedy, 
he's the anti-comedy male. Like you see all this, like you're either the butt of like stupid male jokes or like this toxic piece of shit. And Ted Lasso is like the epitome of a non-toxic, of non-toxic masculinity. And he's something that somebody that people could look up to. And like, it really does bring a lot of joy, like you said. And like, I am so glad that you said they have signed them on for another couple seasons. I'm going to have to, re-up my apple tv plus subscription for that i think at least you know a couple months a year for that that's great yeah i think apple tv is doing a really good job with its content my son really has enjoyed watching snoopy in space um which is a very fun snoopy show and then they're going to do the the snoopy show which is going to be coming out soon so yeah I, i i really appreciate the focus of apple tv plus which is not not a lot of content but what we have is going to be really good and it's going to be kind of wholesome which i i appreciate we don't need more you know um i'm going to chop your head off while you see my boobs stuff i mean not that that's not fun but you know there's a lot of that (laughs) all right so i've fully embraced the spooky season and that reflects a lot in what i've been watching um so i i I like horror movies. I don't typically watch them too often because I really love to watch them with other people and like share that experience. Very few people around me actually enjoy them, but um, I have watched Evil Dead Two, so I watched the original Evil Dead a couple of years ago, and you know i I appreciated it for it was, and two did not disappoint. It was just as cheesy, just as campy. And it's mostly just watching uh, uh, Bruce Campbell ham it up and chew the scenery. You know, for the most part, it's just him in the movie, just being a goofball. <laughs> and it's it's great. How, uh, now I got a question try for you, track Tim. Down the third one. Yes. Question for you, Tim. Travis, you've seen Evil Dead 2, right? It has been a long time, but yeah, I've seen it. How, how does Sam Raimi do the pitch for this movie? Right. Because. He essentially is like, hey, guys, uh, Evil Dead 2, uh, same movie as the first one. Just (laughs) yes. uh, Just way more bonkers. Uh, What do you think? And they're like uh, in the house and everything. Same like, yep. Yeah, I could have done that. better. I'm just going to do it again. Put a two at the end of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I remember how the first movie ends. Yeah. Well, that's going to take place in the first five minutes. (laughs) And then we're going to just redo the first movie, but make it even more bonkers. And then we're going to throw a twist in the end where he travels back in time. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I, I, yeah, it's incredible. That they're it's, able to do yeah, that. no, it's crazy. I even like what I've because I, I went into this knowing very little about it. So after the first five minutes, when it basically rehashed the first movie, I, I paused it and went on Wikipedia and I'm like, did, was this a reboot? Like, <laughs> did they plan this to be a reboot or? Did I miss something? And no, no, it was they basically just told the same story. <laughs> but yeah, that was great. Um, next thing I watched is uh, in addition to loving horror movies, I like old horror movies. And I saw that Night of the Living Dead was on one of the screen uh, streaming services. So I watched it's really, really good. basically like, you know, the progenitor of all the modern horror movies and you know, it it holds up for the most part. I mean, there's some aspects of it that don't age super well, but it is the prototype of so much that's come after it. You can't help but like watch this and see like, oh, I 
I see where, you know, this other movie referenced this scene or, oh, this trope is used so much. Um, it, if you just like horror movies, you have to watch this one because that it's ending so, too, man. Whoa. You know? That ending does. It, wow. It, well, that I don't know if they were going for social commentary on that end, but. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a shocking. It takes on a new yeah. meaning in today's, you know, in 2020. Yeah. I don't, yep. I don't want to ruin it for you, but yeah, you, you can't see that ending and not see shadows of our current climate. <laughs> All right. So I've seen that movie. It's been ages and I don't remember the ending. So I'm going to have to rewatch that. Yeah, so those movies I've mostly, you know, and I mentioned earlier that I started uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor. So I watch those when my wife is not around because she hates horror horror stuff. She does not like to be scared. So when she has been around, uh, we went through uh, most of the Underworld series. I think we actually have like one movie left. Actually, we might have two left. I think they made five of those. Um if you're unfamiliar with the Underworld series, it was basically like somebody saw the Matrix and was like, I love that aesthetic, but we're going to put vampires and Wolverine or uh, Wolverine, vampires <laughs> and werewolves in in this and have him fight each other. It is ridiculously cheesy, um, you know, but it's got some cool action scenes. It is very like late 90s early aughts aesthetic soundtrack and all you know all styled no substance kind of thing <laughs> and, but it, they're fun and it you know they're monsters and it kind of fits the halloween scene so it was it, we worked also uh during prime days they had the mummy series all on blu-ray um as one package deal super cheap so i picked that up and we've been going through the mummy movies. So far we've seen one and two. And then last night we watched uh, the Scorpion King. Again, you know, I I think these are actually better than, you know, I I love these movies for a certain, you know, just because I, I think they're fun. Uh, the effects are pretty good. I absolutely understand that they're kind of cheesy and not everybody loves them, but I think they're great. <laughs> uh, we also... Uh, I managed to get my wife to watch Lovecraft Country with me. And so we just finished that up. Have you guys seen this? Yeah, that was on my list that I lost. Yes. Wow. Lovecraft okay. Country was amazing. Okay. John, did you see it? No. So I highly recommend it because I don't think I've had a show that where every episode I did not know what to expect. Like after a while, I just gave up trying to you know, every episode is like almost a different genre in some ways. Like some are straight up haunted house. One's like goes hard into science fiction, mm -hmm. you know, but every episode is just great. You know, a couple episodes lean heavily into body horror. Um, one almost feels like straight out of an Indiana Jones kind of movie, you know, setting, but everyone is fantastic i loved the series i loved not knowing what to expect from every episode i highly recommend it if you have not seen it check it out i've seen there's a few people that 
reviewed it online saying that, you know, it kind of falls off towards the end. Screw those people. (laughs) It's so much fun. There is no other show on TV that is exactly like this. Like you owe it to yourself to give it a shot at, you know, you at least have to try it. It's I think it's great. Fantastic. Yeah, I can understand why people might think it falls off at the end. Like, it gets weirder at the end, for sure. It gets weirder, but I love that about it. I do, too. I love the weird. (laughs) It's unique. They don't try to be like other shows or, you know, it. it's fantastic. I loved every minute of it, and I really hope there's another season. (laughs) And honestly, as like um, ignorant white dude, it kind of gave me a better sense of like uh i don't know i guess the black experience in the south than anything else i've ever seen i think like well, they also, in that era yeah they also uh revisit the Tulsa massacre yeah. which watchmen yeah. sh- sort of talked about a little bit but this one i, oh, I don't want to give any spoilers but right right <laughs> parts uh yeah it gets brought up and other events from that time period get brought into the show in a really cool and interesting way. And it really kind of, yeah, it's, there's a bit of an educational aspect to it also for sure, for <laughs> as sure. a white yeah. dude who's, whose knowledge of history is certainly lacking. <laughs> well, do you remember them ever talking about the Tulsa massacre in schools at all? No, because that was not, not at all. We, like, yeah, we that was not it, part no. of my education at all. Like Watchmen, I looked that up to see if it was true. Like after seeing it, like that was the first time I'd heard of it. And I, I love that people yeah. are actually talking about it now. And now it's in two popular shows. But yeah, wow, that's such a major failing of education right there. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. And that's about it for what I've been watching. Hello, podcast friends. This is John Dotson, host of Cheerful Ghost Radio and the creator of Tale of the White Wyvern. If you listen to this show, you might be a fan of Cheerful Ghost, and maybe you read the articles on our site. And I've also checked out our new text-based adventure mini-MMO, Tale of the White Wyvern. Cheerful Ghost is a scrappy indie community that makes awesome text games, and we'd love any support you can give us. Right now, if you head to Cheerful Ghost and hit the heart button, you have some incredible support options in that you can use to start in that you could donate a few dollars through PayPal. If you wanted to do a bit more, you can buy a Cheerful Ghost membership that gets you some great supporter perks on Cheerful Ghost, as well as unlock some member-only titles and alternative cosmetic weapon, armor, and hat sets in Tale of the White Wyvern, including the coveted horse armor. On top of the ability to donate a few dollars or get a Cheerful Ghost membership, we also have a Tale of the White Wyvern merch store, so you can adorn yourself with the best-looking shirts and mugs from your favorite text adventure mini-MMO. I love the mug and personally use it to use it today to drink some coffee, which, you know, might be the best way to drink coffee. Might be the best way to drink coffee that was ever invented. Uh, at least I think so. Hopefully you do too. So we thank you for your support and only want you to donate or become a member or buy merch if you can swing it. So don't do anything that puts you in financial trouble, friend. So thanks again. And hopefully we can keep Cheerful Ghost independent through your continued support. All right, let's talk a little bit about what we've been playing. John? Would you like to start us off? Yeah, I'd love to. So recently, I haven't been playing a lot, but what I have been playing 
recently I had some of my friends and for a virtual night where we played the Oregon Trail. Uh, and it's it's I have the Oregon Trail handheld game. And basically it's like the old Apple II version of the game, Oregon Trail. And we play the game like D&D. So this is how we did it. I had the Oregon <laughs> Trail handheld. We opened up at Google Hangout. I had my iPhone camera trained on the Oregon Trail handheld. And then I had a video feed on me and then everyone else had a video webcam or whatever. And then we all made decisions to how we were going to go through on the Oregon Trail. So we all put our names in there and we decided to be the carpenter, which is the median one you can do. There's, of course, the banker, which you get the most money. Carpenter, you get the second least. And then, you know, the farmer and you get um, the the least amount of money. And if you're a farmer or a carpenter or a banker, it matters how many points you get. So obviously, if you're a farmer, you get the most points. I've never beat the game as a farmer. That's really hard, but um, have beaten it as the banker, obviously. And then we 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 actually did get to the end of the Oregon Trail. So um, uh, someone ended up dying. Um, the last spot, people are making fun of the fact that I've, uh, you know, some have heard me say that I think the, um, the episode one of Phantom Menace is the best of the original prequels. I still stand by that. I think the Phantom Menace <laughs> is the best of the original prequels. Some people try to bastardize that and say something different, but, um, because some they were, we would ever do that. I know. No, yeah. one, no one ever did that. Do that. I know. And they said that since Jar Jar Binks is clearly my favorite character, we made Jar Jar as the final person in our <laughs> um, in our in our Oregon Trail. Anyway, so as we're going down, um, we we're at the Clackamas River and we're going down the river and I hit a rock and someone in our party will died and ended, ended up dying. But we actually did make it all the way to the end. We lost a lot to a couple fires along the way. We lost a couple oxen. But we made it, made it all the way to the Oregon Trail. Um, And that's really fun. If you have a couple bucks and want to buy the Oregon Trail handheld and play it with some friends at a party, just pull it out and um, just get everyone in the trail and make choices together. It's a lot of fun to play as like a light D&D game. Very, very fun. Uh, Each each time you get on the trail is a little different. So um, I also uh, picked up Broforce on the Switch. I saw that it was I think it was a little bit of a reduced price. Um, and I bought that with some of my, um, Nintendo switch points and I've been kind of saving, not getting bro force. I, I wanted to play it on PC, but I kind of was saving it to get it on the switch and it's perfect. It's perfect on a Nintendo handheld. If you're looking for a new game to play, um, bro force is cool. You can play it two players, um, where you just sort of take turns every other turn you, you get to go. And it's awesome. You know, there's a ton of different bros with different guns and it's a really fun side scroller pixel art game. I, I think I got it for like four dollars. It's it's an incredible deal on the switch. And it was basically made for that platform. It wasn't made for that platform, but it feels like it was made for that platform. And it's just really fun. I, I really enjoy bro force on the switch. So another game recently came out to celebrate the anniversary of Mario called Mario 35. Um, this is the game where if you have Nintendo online on the switch, you can play it. And basically 35 people get into a match and you all play Mario until the last one is standing. So it's basically a super Mario brothers game battle Royale. So you, you, you go through it. And if you run out of, um, uh, time, you die. If you die, you die. And, uh, by getting hit or something like that. And so you're basically trying to not die and people can um kind of like in tetris um 99 you can focus on sending enemies to particular people that you want to focus on 
And yeah, it's it's really, really cool. And when it first came out, I, I, I beat it. I got first, which was great. Now it's quite a bit harder because the Show people <laughs> that are. Well, I'm just saying it's harder now because the people that are playing. Right. Are really good. And and it's not like you got like, you know, like a bunch of people that are just trying it out for the first time now. Yeah, I um, didn't get into it until like a week and a half or so into it. And it was I got it to like fifth place i think once so not too yeah. far from the top but man people are really good at that yes they are and they've been playing for a while and i and i'm like wow okay so i'm, I'm a little bit more armchair than these folks um so i also was uh, you know doing like an online um covid hangout with my friend you know in google hangouts and we were talking and we decided to play a super nintendo online game called diddy kong's quest that recently came to Super Nintendo, and I've never played Diddy Kong's Quest for uh, before, but you know, and you can play um, Super Nintendo online games together, and you can take turns, and that game is really fun. It's they just take Donkey Kong Country, and they just they just elevate that game. There's so much new stuff in there. I really just thought it would just be more of the same, and 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 it is the same game, but just they add so much cool stuff to it. It's just really creative, and it's not like it's just harder for no reason. In fact, I think that. I mean, we got to the second level, so I suppose there's a ton left in the game, but it didn't. I, I want to critique of the original Duncan Country is just that I feel like at sometimes they just the, the game is so punishingly hard. It's just too hard um, at certain points. And I didn't feel like that with Diddy Kong's Quest. Um, so, yeah, those are the games that I've been playing recently. All right. What about you, Travis? Uh, I've been playing kind of a grab bag because I'm, I don't know, I'm finding it harder to focus on any one particular game lately. So I've been skipping around quite a bit. Um, I've been playing, still playing Doom Eternal and never quite finishing that. Uh, but I do come back to it every now and then. And I've, the reason that I haven't finished it yet is because they, at a certain point, they add this, these two new enemies that when you fight them alone, as kind of mini bosses, they're fine. But then they start throwing them in with the, the rest of the enemies. And like, it's just a major pain to try to like, you have for one of them, the Marauder, you have this like split second where you could do damage to them to get their shield to drop. And it's so hard to focus on that while you've got, you know, 70 other enemies trying to kill you. Or it's hard to focus on killing those 70 enemies while you've got this massive guy with a big ax like that can almost two hit kill you after you. So that got really frustrating, really hard when they introduced that enemy. And I've been like up till that point, I thought that it was far and away better than doom 16, uh, 2016, but I'm honestly not so sure now because of that one enemy. And I started like researching tips for that enemy. And I found a lot of other people saying the same thing. Like I think the IGN review said that like once that enemy shows up, the, the feeling of, like flow just kind of tanks and I'm seeing the same thing. Um, I do want to finish it just because I'm think I'm pretty close to the end, but if you play doom eternal, just keep that in mind that there's going to be some really annoying shit toward the end. Um, I've also been kind of, uh, plugging away slowly at Marvel's Avengers on the PS4. Um, I was, pretty into the whole idea from the first kind of teasers they showed for that game, even though there's a little bit of like strangeness about it, because it looks like they've obviously tried to base the appearances somewhat on the movie versions of these Marvel heroes. 
but they don't have the faces at all the same. And they obviously don't have the voice actors in for it. Like they don't have Robert Downey Jr. in for Iron Man, stuff like that. So there's a little bit of a disconnect when you're watching this stuff go down. It looks like it should be the MCU universe heroes, but it's not. Uh, other than that, though, like I, I think the the animation style and everything is great. It's just occasionally that's that pulls you out. But the gameplay is kind of simple, uh, like not not like it's easy. It's just a little simplistic, the, the which isn't really to its detriment. I think that's kind of a good thing for this kind of game. The one thing that I will say about it is that they've kind of focused too much on the on- online component generating, you know, hours in the game like i feel like you could get through the single player and you know have a satisfying game but then they like you're far from like the max level and stuff like that once you do that there's a bunch of online stuff and they have tossed in a bunch of microtransactions for in-game currency and stuff like that that honestly i'm have touched the online like maybe once or twice and I don't see it as being any better than the single player. So I'm not sure I'll even, I'll I'll keep going with the single player. I'm having a lot of fun, but it just seems like they were trying to go for two different games that they mashed together in a way. But you know, I'm, I think the single player is pretty good. I guess my opinion might change once I get further into it, but for now I'm enjoying it. Um, Also, I was a huge Tony Hawk's, pro skater fan back in like when they first released the first and second game way back in, I don't know, like 70, 80 years ago, but they released the remake of that, uh, just a couple months back. And I bought that and I've been playing it and enjoying it. However, like after playing through the skate games, the skate one, two, and three, it's really hard to go back to that kind of gameplay. And I've actually picked up skate three to kind of go back and see if I'm just like looking at that with nostalgia and no, but the skate games are so freaking good that it's kind of making it harder to enjoy this Tony Hawk's pro skater one and two remake, even though I was such a huge fan and I, I actually whipped out the original and kind of played side by side a bit and the gameplay feels very similar They've they've improved some things. It's it's better than it was back then. But I guess I didn't know what skating games could be. So I'm kind of looking back through that at that with rose colored glasses. But still, if you were a fan, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two Remake is gonna scratch that itch. But if you've played those other skate games, like you you might notice some frustrations there. Um, like John, you were mentioning the anniversary of Mario. Also on the anniversary of Mario, they released the, uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars on the Switch. Uh, it's like the Mario All-Stars on the Super Nintendo had one, two, and three from the NES. This one has, uh, Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy, oddly not Mario Galaxy 2, which is a strange omission, but I've been playing through those a little bit, just kind of, I started games in each of them, and I just kind of go back and forth between them here and there, like, um, not really focusing on one or the other, and it's kind of interesting to note how similar the playstyle is through all of those, like, the, the core gameplay of the Mario games was kind of solidified with super Mario brothers and the core gameplay of the, the um, 3d Mario's was kind of solidified with Mario 64. They got the, the feel of the platforming down so well with it that they just kind of 
barely tweaked it from there on, just adding new systems and things to it. But those games still hold up and it's great to see them in uh, higher resolution, especially like Mario Sunshine. I don't think I've ever seen that in anything but like playing 480i or whatever, but it looks really nice. Question for you, Travis. Sure. Um, so have you been following any of the critiques for the Super Mario 3D All-Stars release? I have seen some, like some people saying that the 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 Mario Sunshine has some bugs because it was supposed to be in 4x3 and stretching it out to 16x9 shows some stuff like you can fall off the world in some places like that. Some people think that the like Mario 64 emulation isn't that great, but I haven't noticed that. It seems okay to me. Yeah, I think the largest critiques that I've seen are it's lazy because it's just emulated and they didn't add anything new and it's lazy and Nintendo's lazy and they hate Nintendo for being lazy. So I'm just curious (laughs) if you like think that's legitimate because this like there's been some massive critiques about this game because of just what I said. And I'm just curious if you think any of that's worthwhile. I guess I would have liked to have seen them maybe do a little bit of a fresh coat of paint on Mario 64. I'm not sure how much they could have done on that, how much it made sense to do that. Like I know that with the first Mario all-stars, they ported the entire thing up to a, like, it looks like a super Nintendo game. It's not just emulated, but we're talking about much more massive undertakings these days. I think. Yeah. We would all agree that that would be way easier to do. Right. Using the exact think, same game engine yeah. for four games, then, you know, exactly. Yeah. yeah like f- yeah. three different yeah. generations of console and for selling it for three for $60 right. for three games. Right. I feel like Mario Sunshine, you know, it got the the 16 by nine treatment and it's in high def. Like it feels like I've, I've messed around with the Dolphin emulator and it feels kind of the same way as emulating it in that like which is better than native um yeah i guess the only thing i can really think of would be like somehow tweaking mario 64 but i don't know if that would make a lot of business sense for them to do it i didn't have any any um illusions about what i was buying when i bought it i just assumed it would be absolutely not like that and oh yeah yeah Yeah. it's it's fine for me (laughs) i think this is an area where a lot of Nintendo fans make no sense or just gaming fans in general make <laughs> sure. no sense to me sure. because on one hand they're like Nintendo you have a huge rich catalog just release all the old games and it doesn't matter if they're emulated just get all your old games out just release all your old games and just release your old games and then you get all these old cool games for Nintendo Online and Super Nintendo Online by the way guys those are emulated do you hate those too because they're emulated <laughs> by the way and they don't by the way and and so Nintendo like And then when Nintendo does it, like people are literally like, just dump it in my mouth. Nintendo, I just want it on my switch. And they do it. And then people are like, lazy. Why didn't you remake? I don't know. I I just it's just it's baffling to me. But yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that it's uh, it's a great package. It would have been cool to get new, you know, Super Mario Galaxy 2 out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But for whatever reason, we didn't get that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun and, uh, it's nice to get Super Mario Galaxy, that game specifically 1080p on the switch. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. Uh, yeah. is that game incredible? Um, and I've never played sunshine, so I'm excited to do that. And I've been honestly just playing Mario 64 and that's been quite a bit of fun. Um, just playing through that. That game is, um, Hmm. Well, I'm kind of glad we're out of that era. I'll just say that it's a good game. <laughs> 
But that camera, woof. Oh, I know. Oh, I yeah. Know. No. I, I mean, I love Mario 64. It's like one of my favorite, you know, mm. Mario games of all time. But the camera, yeah. <laughs> also, also, a lot of the songs in that game, they just lifted and put right into Ocarina of Time. Like, straight up, just the music. It's the same. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I. And just other stuff they just lifted and put in the other game. I'm just like, okay, well, I mean, it's the same engine. I mean, I mean, you can do whatever you want, you know, but it's cool. I saw a comparison of models where they had a lot of the same models in Mario 64 and Ocarina. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I think I've kind of reached the point in the year where I like to, I don't know what it is about when things start getting cooler. I kind of want to dive into older games. So I fired up my SNES Classic and played through Super Mario World. Uh, I got all the all 96, I think it is, exits, and I, I love blasting through that once every year or two. And I was thinking, I would really love to play Mario 1, 2, and 3 with this rewind feature that isn't on the NES Classic for some reason. Well, I guess it's because they don't have enough buttons to pull it off, but so, you know what? I'm going to put all-stars on this thing. So I figured out how to hack my uh, SNES Classic and tossed a bunch of new games on it and it's, it's super easy to do. And it feels like it's perfectly native when you toss other games on there that didn't come with it. So I played through, um, all of Mario one and almost all of Mario three and almost all of Mario two. I was kind of going back and forth between the two, just whatever struck me as fun to play that day. And I also uh, tossed ActRaiser on there and played through that because that is one of my favorite games of all time on the SNES. And I really wish that had come standard on the SNES classic, but I guess now it may as well have because I it seriously feels exactly like it would have if they put it on there, which is ActRaiser, All-Stars, Chrono Trigger, yeah. Final Fantasy 2, and I'm not really sure what else I would like. I think the original SimCity would have been killer. Too. Oh, that would have been cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The original yeah. SimCity would have been good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I definitely think Chrono Trigger should have been on there. Yes. Yeah, that's about all I've been playing. All right. Well, my list is fairly short here because uh, I really haven't been playing anything new. Uh, I am finally almost completely done with my replay of Final Fantasy 15. Now, I know we've been talking a little bit about this, Travis, but I think I have now done absolutely everything, including all the new content from the Royal Edition. Nice. Except for beating the Omega Weapon. It is so hard. Um, <laughs> I Yeah, that's I think the only thing I have left. I've done every bonus dungeon, you know, play through the whole game up to the point where I just have to go in and beat Arden. <laughs> Uh, beat you know the new Cerberus boss, all the new content that's in Insomnia, um, but yeah, the only thing I got to do is go. I, I haven't looked up what I have to do to like trigger the fight or where it is or anything like that. But that I think that's the last thing I have to do. Yeah, you know that the Royal Edition gives you that suit that gives you like a temporary. I think it's fifteen minutes invincibility or something like that. Yeah, that doesn't work at all on a Mega. Yeah. <laughs> No, it, uh, yeah, I, I read on that it, that doesn't work on there, which is, you know, which is fine. Yeah, and actually, I, I think that suit came out before the Royal Edition because I had that. Oh, really? Okay. During my first playthrough. I don't, but it was one of the updates or, or maybe it was one of the expansions. I don't know. They, they in, introduced that at some point. 
Um, I also, a couple weeks back, all the Disgaea games were on sale on Steam. So if you're unfamiliar with Disgaea, it's a turn-based um, strategy RPG uh, tactics kind of game. Um, that is also itself kind of a parody of the Japanese RPGs and animes and stuff like that, you know. So there, there's a lot of humor in them in addition to just being a really solid strategy game. It also kind of makes fun of the grinding required in those strategy games, but leans heavily into it so that not only can you, like, grind up and level your characters to, like, absurd levels to, like, you know, level 9,999, but you can also level up your individual items, like even like a potion or your like basic healing item. If you want, you can enter it into this thing called the item world. And as you play through the item world, it levels up the items. So it's insane. And then like when you're in the item world, you could also like capture these residents that live in the items and then move them to different items to get like new effects. Like if you find a gladiator resident that boosts attack power so if you capture it you can then transfer it into like a new weapon to boost that weapon's power and it's it's utterly insane i have tried not to get too like ocd and dive into it too much and just play the game which you absolutely can do like you don't need to do all this insane grinding and stuff like that just to play the game and enjoy it but they have it there as an option in case you want to do it and then also a sort of a tongue-in-cheek you know of the of this the genre but uh, i picked up one and two and i had originally beaten you know the first game on the playstation 2 when it first came out and i owned two but you know it never really got that far into it so i decided to go ahead and replay the the second one and i've you know some of the jokes have not aged super well <laughs> Um, but they, overall, the game's a lot of fun. I've been having fun doing that. Although I have not started it yet. As of uh, today, I got my physical version of the Entitled Goose game, and I am looking forward to diving into that, especially because I think they just had the co-player update. So I think that'll be really fun to play with uh, some of my kids here. But, um, yeah, whoa, whoa, that's whoa. about it. play co-op with untitled goose game um there they had announced that they were going to do a co-op um like free update i'm not sure if it's Whoa. landed yet but it uh if it's not out yet it's on the horizon it will be coming out soon that is awesome I can imagine just how yeah. much mayhem you can inflict on the townsfolk with two geese. <laughs> wow. I know. I've been I've been wanting to play this game for a long time, but I was holding out for a physical edition just because I'm weird like that. I, I want to have the physical copies of games. So I am a bit did a a special physical release and it came with like a map of the town and a no goose sticker that I haven't decided what I'm going to do with yet. But um, yeah, I was all over that when they announced it. So I ordered it when it was up for pre-order and it just finally got delivered. So I'm real excited to dive into that one. All right. And that's about it for what we've been playing.
All right, so it is spooky season, so I thought it would be really fun to talk about some horror movies. So I had posed this question on Twitter, but I thought it would be really fun to go through it with you guys, too. What was the very first horror movie you watched, and how badly did it traumatize you? Travis, start us off. So I don't remember exactly what the first one was. I think it was one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. But I remember just being like transfixed on the screen, like so into it. And that kind of started my love of horror. I like didn't know horror movies existed and I wanted to seek them out. Like keep in mind, I was at a friend's house. I was like seven years old and I went home asking my parents to rent me these gory ass movies and it didn't really work well for me. I didn't get to see that many horror movies when, as soon as I wanted to, but um, it didn't. I don't think it actually traumatized me at all. Uh, maybe being exposed to them that early is what kind of broke me of having that fear reaction to movies, but I have been loving horror movies ever since then. Nice. What about you, John? What was your very first horror movie? Yeah. So this movie has fucked me up for life. And I don't know if a lot of people can say that about a horror movie, but let, let me get into it. Jaws. (laughs) <laughs> I saw it when I was way too nice. young. It fucked me up so bad. I literally get scared every time I swim in dark water thinking a shark is going to kill me. I'm serious. Wow. It, it's a thing I can't do in a lake even. That's how bad Jaws messed me up. I saw Jaws mm-hmm. so many times as a kid. I cannot swim in dark water without being nervous. Now, I, I can do it, but it's just, it's it seriously scares me now. And I love swimming. I swim all the time, you know? Um, That's so, a testament yeah, to jo- the filmmakers on that one, that they could yeah. give you that lifelong, like, hang-up, if not full-on fear. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely true. And in Back to the Future 2, when Marty's like, Shark still looks fake, I, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Jaws looks so real. <laughs> I remember going to... And she, like Universal Studios, right? And mm-hmm. and I was scared, scared, scared to do the Jaws ride because Jaws has traumatized me so much. And this is I'm not even kidding, people. You think this is a joke. This is not a joke. My wife was like, John, it's gonna be okay. I'm like, I don't know if I should do this ride. I think I really just don't want to do it. And when it happened, it's it, the Jaws ride is not scary. It, it it's just not. No. But um it but the anticipation was really, really scary for me as a kid because, you know, the Jaws right doesn't really look real. But um, and the movie, whoa, uh, so much. But and and then to, to, to think of a movie later that really didn't scare me at all was when my f- first probably other movie I saw was on Halloween with some friends at their house. And um, this is a pretty particularly lame time because we weren't able to dress up for Halloween because it was a religious thing. They didn't want us to like really enjoy it or something. I don't know exactly why, but we weren't really dressed up as anything. And we were going to a Halloween, but we were going there. So that's weird. But um, and there was this movie playing and I really wanted to see it. And I heard it was really killer called Monster Squad. And we started watching this movie and my parents wouldn't let me finish it. Uh, I, and it was awesome. It was like the part with the wolf man and everything like that. And you, you know, you want to watch a movie and then they're like, you know, take you away. So I, that never really scared me, but I, but I always really enjoyed it a lot. Um, I had, I, I had since, you know, watched monster squad. I think it's really good. I think it's a really good movie, but 
yeah, Jaws. Just I I I still am not whole from that movie. Thanks, Spielberg. <laughs> so I had never heard of Monster Squad. I just looked it up and now I really want to watch this. <laughs> yeah, I've awesome. never heard of it. I'll have to yeah, look into that one. It's one of those old uh 80s-ish movies with kids and yeah, you guys <laughs> just check it out. It's it's a whole lot of cheese. It's a whole lot of fun. All right. Well, my first real horror movie that I watched was Poltergeist. And that I think I was maybe like around 10, 11, somewhere in that, you know, ballpark of age. And I freaking loved that movie so much. That's that is why it is still like my favorite horror movie of all time. And it's, you know, started a lifelong love of horror films and spooky stuff. Um, and it absolutely has given me a fear of clowns. Like, <laughs> like of all the things in that movie, the thing that really, really kind of like really, really freaked me out was that fucking clown doll. <laughs> and yeah, it's, I still like hate clowns because of that, but Overall, like, I just, I love that movie so much. Which kind of leads into our next topic, which is I wanted to find out what some of your guys' favorite horror movies of all time. So as I mentioned, Poltergeist is my number one. It tops my list. I love it so much. Um, It still is scary and fantastic, and the effects are great. Uh, Some of my other favorites are I absolutely love Cabin in the Woods. So, I, have you guys seen Cabin in the Woods? You're oh, making yeah. me second guess my own list now because I didn't add Cabin <laughs> in the Woods to mine. But Cabin in the Woods this, is so good. It's <laughs> so great. Not only is it a fantastic horror movie, but it is so meta. It, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's basically a horror movie about horror movies and making horror movies and all the tropes that go into yeah. them. And it's fantastic. And it's, you know, it's got some scary scenes. It's got some great special effects. It's got some, you know, plot twists that uh, subvert like different tropes, you know. And it's also funny. Like there's so much humor in it. It's so great. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, Let's see here. Travis, what are some of your favorites? It's been a long time since I've seen Poltergeist. That one isn't on my list just because I don't remember it that well. But I do remember thinking at the time that I saw it that it was probably the best horror movie that I had seen. I need to go back and watch that one because you're right. That was a masterful movie. But um, my list, uh, I couldn't pick uh, number three. So my third place, I either have it as It Follows or Babadook. Um, it follows Ooh, Baba is, a, Duke is a good one. It's a, it's almost a light horror. There's not a lot of spooky stuff there, but it's, um, kind of a metaphor for a lot of not only like sexually transmitted diseases, but I think also sexual pressures and stuff like that. So there's, there, there's a lot of kind of, you know, cultural commentary within the movie that, it, but it's also really well-directed and well-acted definitely like sets a mood. It feels like a David Lynch film. If David Lynch ever decided to make sense, which, you know, it was really good. Uh, the Babadook, another 
metaphor. Actually, I think all my lists, all my movies on this list are a metaphor for something, but Babadook <laughs> being a metaphor for grief. And I think Babadook was like, it just came out of left field how good that was. Um, really seemingly like low budget movie with actors I'd never heard of, but it was amazing. My number two is Get Out, uh, which... Mm, that's another good one. Man, it was... Uh, man, I, I still think about that movie regularly and how creepy the... Uh, like Bradley Whitford, his character and his wife in that movie are because they're so seemingly nice. And yet there's like all this nastiness and evil underneath it all. And that mm-hmm. whole, that whole society that, you know, well, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but um, there's, there's some nefarious things afoot there, but yeah, I think uh, us was fantastic, but it didn't come near being as great as get out was, but I can't wait to see what Jordan Peele does because he knows horror movies. Yeah. But number one has to be hereditary for me. Um, and you see, you'll notice that like all mine are fairly new. I think we're kind of in a really good age for horror movies right now. Um, but hereditary kind of tops it with just how incredibly well performed every single part in this movie was and how kind of gut wrenching the whole plot was, uh, a lot of really creepy stuff in there if you're looking for that. But, uh, man, there, that is a movie that will stick with you for a few days. (laughs) (laughs) All right, John, what about you? What are your favorites? Okay, guys, I just have to ask you a question. What's okay. your favorite scary movie? <laughs> yeah, so hey, I I was asking that question. I know, I know. So Scream, everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow, Wes Craven did a movie meta about horror before that was a thing, and it's uh, it's on point. It's it's really good. It it holds up. Although you know, it's definitely a '90s movie, and you think about yes, it's sort of dated '90s, which makes it even more fun now. Mm-hmm. It's got Courtney Cox in it. It's got, you know, it's it, it Nev Campbell's just so good. And um, I, I guess I can spoil a movie from the 90s, but um, I think you can. Drew, yeah. Drew Barrymore yeah. just dies in the first couple of minutes, which is really surprising <laughs> as 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 a I remember it, that was such a big deal at the I time because she was uh, like promoted like as part of the movie, like, right? Yeah. As the lead. Yeah. And then yeah. she just. Gets just cut down right away. And uh, the franchise is a lot of fun. I have all the Scream films on Blu-ray. Um, watch them. I, I really enjoy this. And I and I heard that uh, Nev Campbell just signed on to come back to mm-hmm. Scream. You know, they got Courtney Cox and everyone back. So I really, really do like Scream. I, I, I'm sad that Wes isn't going to be around to direct it. But I think it'll probably be in really good hands. And, you know, even if it's just one of those campy cheesy bad movies well that's just a scream movie anyway so uh it's really good (laughs) and i so uh, i I, these 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 aren't really ordered or anything these are just you know horror movies that i really Mm -hmm. enjoy another one um that honestly is i think right now a really deep cut that i don't hear a lot of people talking about which is a huge shame is the frighteners with directed by peter jackson starring michael j fox folks yeah no that's a good one haven't seen the frighteners recently treat yourself because it is on point peter jackson directed this is like prime michael j fox movie in fact michael j fox there's this outtake where 
he's um in the movie there's a there's a ghost called judge and he's like in the movie he's like judge judge michael j fox and at one point in an outtake he screams doc (laughs) (laughs) and everyone laughs and it's so fun and it's just it's it's way creepier than and and scary and weird than it should be but michael j fox just elevates it peter jackson elevates it and it's really really good i don't know why this movie is not on anyone's list it it seems like it's almost entirely like not spoken of now but i got it on blu-ray it's just really really fun another movie sam raimi directed and wrote it which again i don't know it's just kind of ignored right now which is drag me to hell um this is a movie about a woman that gets cursed by a gypsy. And if you think Sam Raimi's films are bonkers, this movie is bonkers times 20. There's a scene where they like there's a goat and a seance and it's it's amazing. It's so much fun and it's weird and creepy and it's like one of the last things that sam raimi did as a director i don't know why i don't know i don't know if this put him in director's jail but i love drag me to hell so much it's just so much fun um and then i've got a couple movies on of course just like you know i don't know why this movie the first one wasn't higher but these are just kind of a grab bag of movies that i think is great but this is probably one of my most favorite movies of all time which is alien by ridley scott i mean the cinematography in the movie's just amazing on its own. I could say so mm-hmm. much about Sigourney Weaver's performance. It spawned an amazing series of films that I really enjoy. Um, it's scary. In space, no one can hear you scream. Uh, and this movie is just really, really creepy and cool. And there's a couple versions of it that are really fun. Also, yeah. uh, the master John Carpenter. I, I couldn't get away without talking about a couple of his movies. They live. Um, they live. I'm not even sure is if it's more of a horror movie or a social commentary on consumerism. I'm not exactly sure, um, but it's chef's kiss. Great. And it's so cheesy and rowdy, rowdy Piper. Uh, when this dude fights this other guy, I just can't stop laughing. It's it. It's it's campy and hilarious and scary at the same time, you know, so it's really good. And then, of course, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing with Kurt Russell. Um, Honestly, like as a kid, this movie did really scare me and creep me out. And I think it's got Wilford Brimley in it, which is weird, you know, Um, it's it's real good. And they tried to do kind of like a prequel to it. I haven't seen that, but the thing is 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 really good and if you like these kind of ennui endings it's definitely got that all right so i also wanted to ask you guys about any halloween traditions you might have john what about you yeah, so we we have a couple. One of them is that every year we keep adding to our Halloween decorations. And now we've got to the point where we've got a whole lot of fun Halloween decorations. This year was really different. You know, with COVID, it's this year's more of a bummer. We decided to set them decorations up way sooner than we usually do. And honestly, that made everything it just it just made the house so much more fun to be in and we just had so much more fun and i 
I seriously, I can't recommend it now, obviously, because you know Halloween's a couple days away. I don't know when this, you know, it might even be now, depending on when people are watching the episode. But one thing I really want people to think about is giving people a break this year. You know, every year people are like, oh, Christmas comes too early. Uh, I don't think that should be a thing that we critique anyone for this year. If, nope, if not this year. Putting up them decorations brings you joy. Put them up the day after Thanksgiving, day after yeah. Halloween, you know what I Hallmark mean. And this was year, showing Christmas movies in like June, and that's fine. Like, just just let people have it this year. Yeah, <laughs> I think we should just let people have fun. And this year, we just we had things up so much earlier, um, and and I think it made a whole lot of difference. So we're gonna do the same thing with Christmas. I don't know, you know, we're, we're gonna have Thanksgiving stuff up, obviously, but uh, yeah. So so I think that's one of the things that we we really like. Um, and you know, it's. We're, we're adding more because my son's four now and he just started watching and enjoying the nightmare before Christmas a lot. He likes that a lot and he doesn't even oh, get yeah. scared by it, which is great because, you know, he's four and that, that could give some kids nightmares, but he, he doesn't. So we're just adding things in and just kind of seeing how it's going. But yeah, this year um, just got those decorations up really early and we have a lot of really fun stuff all over the house, which is great. We've got Halloween lights. We've got skeletons and, you know, like birds and spiders and all this stuff that's all over the house, which is a lot of fun. All right. What about you, Travis? Well, um, we didn't really have that many huge Halloween traditions anyway. Like It seemed like every year we ended up at um, my at my wife's parents' house to kind of help out with trick-or-treaters and my her dad always like grills burgers every halloween so that that was kind of like a moderate tradition obviously that's not going to be happening this year but we are going like i mentioned earlier we're going to go watch beetlejuice on halloween night at the local drive-in so that's the replacement for our halloween traditions this year (laughs) yeah so um holidays are a big to do with uh um my wife and her uh, extended family and, you know, all the different relatives more or less have like a how, you know, or have a holiday staked out, you know, one family does Easter, one family does Thanksgiving, one family does Christmas, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I staked out Halloween as early as I could. (laughs) Halloween is my holiday. We're the ones that throw the big Halloween party every year. Uh, you know, this is the very first year that I've actually owned a house. I've always lived in either apartments or um, my last place was a condo, you know, so we didn't have a yard to decorate. Well, this year we're in a house, we have a yard and we picked up some new ornaments, put a lot of our you know decorations outside now. I want to be that house on the neighborhood that every year everybody gets excited like, oh, what are they going to put up this year, you know? Like, I want to be those people. So um, I love Halloween and like that's kind of my thing. And it's what I've kind of become known for in the family. And I am totally okay with that. Now, because of 2020, we uh, obviously can't do a lot of our usual traditions. So like there was no party this year, but I am going to try and do like a very small outdoor socially distanced um kind of event for my kids and a few of our you know my nieces uh my nephew uh one of our you know young cousins kind of thing so the kids at least get to do something because nobody gets to trick or treat this year you know 
So we're going to like try and put up a few things in my backyard, um, serve hot dogs and hamburgers for the, for everybody. And then we're going to like set out little goodie bags and almost do like an Easter egg hunt, but at night and, you know, with flashlights and candy. (laughs) So that's really the extent of our, our celebration this year. Uh, John, what about you? So what are you we, doing this year? Yeah, so we have some friends in our germ circle, and just to let everyone know, that means that friends yeah. that we're um, safe with, and they do safe stuff, and we do safe stuff, and we've talked about it. And not, not a lot of people are in our germ circle, just just a, just a handful. So, the, and, the, and the, the friends in our germ circle, we're going to go over to their house, and we're going to do, just like you said, Tim, we're going to do like an Easter egg hunt with candy inside yeah. for the kids, right? Uh-huh. And then later that night, my wife talked to our neighbors, the neighbors that we trust, because, you know. And we asked him, hey, can you wear masks and, you know, give Finley this candy and we'll give you this candy and you do it safe and we'll give you, mm-hmm. you know. And so we've talked to people and pre-screened them all. So he could go to like <laughs> four houses. It's sort of trick or treat. In a safe way with masks on. Exactly. Nice. And and we're going to do that, too. And then every night, no- you know, every evening we kind of have one of our friends in our drum circle come over and we go out with her and she dresses up like Harley Quinn or a witch or barmaid or whatever. I don't know. She she does really elaborate stuff. Um, and we're just we just watch and I pick a Halloween movie that we haven't seen or we want to see. Well, I think this year we're going to be watching Hocus Pocus, which is interesting. Nice. Because I've never <laughs> seen it before. Really? Never. Oh, wow. Never. I'm kind of excited for you. Yeah, I it's know. It's fun. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. And uh, it's it's on Disney Plus, obviously, and I have that and it's a Disney movie. So I'm going to watch that. So, I, you know, it's not so different than we usually do. Usually we do zoo lights, too. And Tim, I know you do a zillion haunts and Halloween Horror Nights, and that's not happening oh, this yeah. year, which stinks. Uh, and we're probably not going to do zoo lights this year, which is sad, but we are going to do a couple things. And I think it's going to be pretty fun. I think it'll be pretty fun. Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show and thanks for listening. Wow, wow, wee, wah.